tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me. I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free. There's no time to let this tale get old. No, no, no. It's the best. Hello and What's up, man? hey, <laughs> welcome to the show. My guest is a really good friend of mine. He is a stand-up comedian, a bicoastal liver like dweller. Yeah, uh, uh, a comedy television writer. Legit. I've uh, been on shows such as Marlin, and as of this taping, I feel bad on NBC. He's also ethnically mysterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian Kiani. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I always try to start with something I've never told a guest, such as yourself. Oh, this so, is great. So yeah. we've been friends for a bit. Yeah. Like like actual friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've probably never said this to you, but um, I really like that you're not on all the time because I've met enough stand-up comics in my life where they're, when they talk to you, it's like an opportunity for them to like run their bits, yeah. run their gags to, for their shows. Right. So they're always throwing lines at you and just trying to see what you'll do. But I would say the vast majority of the time that we hang out and talk, it's actually not even that funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, off and off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're just, it's like a normal person yeah. having a normal conversation. It's not like you trying to like find a way to throw a joke at me no. and try to test material. Like, so I always appreciate that, but I never, I think ever said it to you. I, that's, that's cool to hear, man. Uh, yeah. I, the worst thing, I think the worst quality in, in people is trying too hard. And, uh, I mean, I take it to another extreme where I often don't try at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it's appreciated. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, when you hang out, you just want to, yeah, you don't, you don't want to think too much about who you, who you're portraying. You just want to, you know, be in the moment. Yeah. And so, and then like, and just when we were in a writing program together, I, you know, saw your personality come out and stuff, but ironically, I've never actually seen you perform stand up. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it's like you're different on stage or actually just kind of a more up version of your, you know, I think, it, I think it's that it's just a heightened version, slightly heightened version of, uh, like a normal conversation that I might have with someone. I never, uh, I never got big into playing a character or anything like that. So What's a, what's what seems to work for me is just being, you know, being as as true to myself as yeah. possible. Yeah. The, way, the well is deep for material in that in that regard. Um, yeah, because like I I knew when I when we met when we met I knew that you did stand up because I was in your bio and all that. But like, <laughs> but like it wasn't like. What if I've been lying about it this whole time? I'm been I'm like yeah yeah I've been doing stand up for like ten years man open for all the greats and no one's ever seen me. Yeah, it could okay. ha- it could be true, possibly. Yeah, because yeah. you didn't. I don't even know if this is offensive or not offensive, but you didn't come off as a stand-up comic stereotypically. To yeah, me. yeah, no. at all. No, no, no. And 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 it's 
it's a hard crowd to get in with. Like, it, it, like in New York and and uh, especially like you hang out with comics all the time, and they're not. It's not always like the easiest hang. So you you, you for me, I've been selective in in the comedy people that I've surrounded myself with because, like you're saying, you want those honest moments. You don't always want to be tossing bits around and coming up with premises and and comparing successes it's not it's not fun yeah <laughs> it's uh so it's it's better to it's better to be a, a real person that's kind of how i've uh operated yeah. um which i appreciate and uh i guess the one thing i'll quickly share before we launch into your uh, best untold story oh, God. <laughs> is uh no i think it's like it's like i soon realized you know that you like naturally funny and like have a oh, sort of have a ta- like a natural talent for it and also in your writing too because that's how we know each well, other's through writing the, it's uh feelings mutual man that's why we that's why we got along yeah but i did want to share a, a random quick story mm-hmm. uh is that i remember we had to do in that writing program we had to do like an improv exercise mm-hmm. and then they told us you and i to to be quote on stage in front of the class uh-huh. and then i think they had us some kind of exercise where it was like a yes and where like you just had to keep it going. Yeah. And then somehow we launched into uh, John Stamos. <laughs> and it was only supposed to be for five minutes, but I think we could have gone an hour. Oh, man. Easy. Yeah, for real. That guy is, that guy is my idol. But oh. just the... I don't th- And I don't think we really talked about Stamos outside of the class in any sort of extensive detail. It was just like a, oh, wait, you like Stamos? And then, <laughs> and then, and then we like in front of this class just like went off it's the magic of improv it really it it goes into your your deepest darkest place yeah that's my love for john stamos (laughs) i'm glad you yeah i forgot all about that yeah it was because i'm not like i wouldn't describe myself as a performer but just i could think when you're like i was with you and you're like your stage performance started to come out, you know, like naturally, because you're yeah. so enthusiastic about him. Uh-huh. And then it matched like my <laughs> level of enthusiasm. And then we had like uh. these random moments where we've seen him in person, oh, man. you know, that we connected on. Uh... One day, one day you're going to get him to do this podcast oh, and it's going to, I'm just going to sit and watch this thing happen. Imagine, imagine the story he's never told. Stamos has lived, like 50 lives yeah you know yeah i just i mean we can even just go down the the beach boy years and i'd be fascinated oh my god it's not even about full house really. no it's not anymore no that's just the what six years of his life that was a that was a blip yeah uh he's got he's like a father now yeah he's a beautiful man (laughs) i think that's a good segue into your story just it, it gets us in a good mood i think yeah Unless you tell something really tragic. No, it's not. It's but we'll not, see. I don't think this is tragic. Well, it's up to you to decide. Sure. But there's a silver lining to it. Okay. Yeah. I, so I don't know what you're going to say. So okay. Let's, so, let's roll. So the thing the thing about it is I, I just need to give you a little bit of context. Um, sure. And how, how I was raised and the person I am. And, and this is about, uh, well, my mom is Peruvian. My dad is Iranian, which are both rice-based cultures so as a result i grew up fat like just (laughs) like and my relationship with food was always one of just extreme pleasure this was like the centerpiece of family time yeah i'm sure it's it's similar to you know other immigrant experiences like food is a central part of of life definitely uh and 
my so I, I when I was the first generation here, and we obviously have a lot of uh, a lot of other th- things uh, that you know my parents didn't grow up with fast food, whatever. My mom claims I didn't try a French fry until I was like four or five, but you know I certainly made up for lost time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you like most of middle school. You know, kids would have parties at like bowling alleys or whatever. Right. My, I would invite my five or six closest friends to hometown buffet, and we would go like nuts. And then, uh, like at night, my family—I would insist that my family would take me to like the holy grail of restaurants where the portion sizes are as big as your face, and the menu is like an epic tale. The Cheesecake Factory. Oh like, yes, my favorite. Yes. So I had, I had this relationship with food that was one that was, uh, I mean, I didn't realize it was problematic until okay. I started to be around other people. Like when I, when I made friends and, uh, you know, got into, you know, later in life, uh, middle school and, and high school, I saw how other people ate and there was like, there's like a perfunctory, uh, like part of it is like that you know you're eating just because you have to or it's lunchtime yeah like no one celebrated the meal the way i did or like thought about it all day so it was like it was it was it was the first time that the idea of shame entered my mind mm. like with the the amount uh that i liked to eat and the <laughs> and the the great pleasure i derived from it okay so Around high school, it was I was I was uh, probably hiding my eating habits a little more. Like for for instance, like after I would play, I, I was on the basketball team. <clears throat> I would time leaving practice uh, with ordering a pizza. So by the time I got home, there'd be a pizza waiting for me. Mm. I would have to eat the whole thing because I didn't want to let my parents know that I spoiled my appetite. And then I would like a. a you know, dispose of the box, the evidence, like it was like a, a mob, like hit that had to be covered up. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was, <laughs> that was like the, the first, the first like tinglings of, uh, is that even a phrase of, of shame eating? Uh, tinglings? Yes. Ting, ting. That, yeah. That's a word. I, I don't know. It sounded right. And I did a little hand motion that no one can see. Uh, that made it that I think sold can, the point. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, of course. Uh, are you, you grew up in California? Yes. Okay. Just to give a sense of the, yes. Who lives, you know, the kids you're around. Yeah. yeah SoCal yeah. kids. Okay. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Got yeah. It. So there's like a mind, body, spirit parents here who are, you know, not, not really thinking that, uh, Baja fresh. Uh, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with the establishment, but one of my favorites uh, fast casual Mexican, not Chipotle, better. Um, that's a that's a nice potential sponsor. <laughs> this is sponsored by Baja Fresh. Uh, yeah. Could be, yeah. <laughs> uh, so part of part of the other the other aspect of uh, the, the my mentality with food is that you always finished what was on your plate. Like it was just always like implied, sometimes set outright. It's the golden rule, and I always I always follow rules, man. Of course. I, I finished that. I clear my plate to this day. I clear my plate when I see how much people waste. Yes. It, it really, it really bothers me. It like, it, it affects me. So I like 
just a promise pledge to myself never waste food do my best not to waste food uh so that's that's kind of the background and <laughs> that's kind of the background you need to know and now we transport to my life in new york where the story will take Ooh, place okay so let's jump in time yes jump in time to uh post-college okay i'm i moved to new york uh specifically to take an unpaid internship at saturday night live so i was living on a friend's couch it was the poorest i've i've ever been even in college i was making more money yeah. i was making 50 dollars a week as a tutor i would sneak out of uh, snl to go tutor some kids and then i'd come back and you know just be in the office and i did my best this is where i learned how to be a scavenger like there's food always around that building Mm -hmm. uh but you just had to look for it so like on on wednesdays they would do table reads for all this all the where they the host comes in and the cast is around a table and they read all the sketches yeah uh and they cater that they brought like sandwiches and uh you know crudite and things things along yeah yeah i learned (laughs) that word yeah um they'd bring those those sorts of things and then but these are rich people and you know famous celebrities they're not they don't care about you know, ham and cheese sandwich. So often these things would go untouched. So as soon as everyone would leave, like a little rat person, I would come out and like gather untouched sandwiches and stuff. And that would be my meal for not just that day, but like a couple days. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was, it was something that I had to keep under wraps because like people would, you know, that would incur some judgment, I, w- I would imagine. Another, my, my other, my favorite day at SNL was Saturday. And it's not for the reason you might think. It's not because of the show. It's because they would open up the commissary for dinner and everyone was, uh, for, from the show could go get dinner. But no one, like, stopped you from taking to-go containers. So I would have my giant dinner and then I would pack, like, three, three boxes to go. This is genius for the weekend and for the next couple days i mean i had not i had nothing else like i could i was surviving on pasta and stuff so uh people would go after the show i like i'd I'd put it in the fridge take it out after the show people would go to the after party and you know check their coats or nice nice things and i would be checking like (laughs) boxes of containers of food from the commissary um but that was my life, and I, I tried to keep it, you know, as under wraps as possible. Like, some certain people close to me knew. Yeah. But this was, this, is, this was my struggle in New York. It was just meal to meal. I'd have, like, a meal a day, but I'd make it count. Uh, so a little, another little time jump is uh, I've been, I was gunning for a career as a writer. So that was the whole thing. It's like, just be around, be in comedy, be in New York to, like, uh, suffer now and then you're going to make it and it'll yeah. be real nice. So the first opportunity I had, uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to get a writing job. I came to LA, did the interview thing. Uh, it was after the program that we did and I was very confident. And so I left my, left my apartment in New York. I, uh, I sublet it to a, a friend of mine from high school. So he took my, he took my space. I was like, I'm going to be in LA now. I'm going to get a job. It's going to be great. And then it didn't happen, and mm-hmm. it was pretty devastating. Like it, 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 it sucks when you built up like five, I had five, six years in New York just at this grinding pace, and 
it didn't materialize in anything, at least at that moment in my mind. And I returned to New York with, you know, nothing to show from my eight months, nine months in LA. Mm -hmm. And I had to move back into my apartment with a, with now that had a a roommate that was sleeping in my space. So I had to sleep in uh, on a couch in my own apartment and I was back to not making any money, but I got a consolation prize, which was a job as a writer's assistant on a new variety show. And, uh, it was like a demotion to me. I was really bummed out about it and the job didn't pay very well at all. So I was back in the same boat again. And because their budget was really tight, they didn't have catering. They didn't have any sort of food around. Mm. So I was like bummed out about everything. I was like back to square one where I started in New York on a couch, just surviving again. And I thought I was past that. Um, I like how you, you've weaved the catering back into this with the context. That's, that's writer skill right there. Well, here's so you, you set me up, and then now we're here. Now we're here. Wow. So okay. now we're now we're at this new show, and it has a celebrity host, and he comes into the writers' room all the time to see what we're working on. And this is several months into the show. I'm jaded and bitter, and I'm hungry all the time. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say you're <laughs> yeah. probably starving. Yeah, yeah and I, I there was I was very fortunate every now and then the head writer would I wouldn't be able like I'd pack a lunch sometimes but he'd be like hey lunch is on me and uh I would take full advantage of that and it would be it'd be great but this celebrity host always got lunch he always got you know whatever he wanted I feel like Chinese and he and it would materialize I feel like a giant salad and there it would be so he did this often but he's very very thin and like uh, he's in shape, he he's like a grazer. He doesn't he he doesn't. I never really saw him like eat a lot. He just kind of picked at stuff. But throughout the day, this one particular night was a difficult night. Uh, we were, the show was just a, a hard one to work on. Okay, he's sitting on he the celebrity uh, host is sitting on, in the writers' room, and he felt like a burrito. And that particular day, I hadn't eaten. And they bring him this burrito that's cut in half. And I'm just like, I can't even concentrate. They're like telling me to take notes. And I'm, my, my fingers are moving, but my mind is on that burrito. Yeah, I, yeah. I, see, I see him unwrap the, the, the foil, and it's split in two. And so you could see what's inside. It's steak rice be- like everything you could and you know my southern california roots are like oh my god say, yeah <laughs> baja fresh <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't baja fresh they don't they didn't have that that shout out to baja fresh shout out uh i take gift <clears throat> cards they so i'm just i'm just eyeing the hell out of this thing yeah and he takes a bite and i'm right there with him Oh my God, I wonder. That must be so good. And then he takes another bite. I'm like, oh, this is killing me. And then he wraps the burrito, puts it in the bag it came in, and threw it in the trash. Ooh. My heart shattered. My heart shattered. I was, I was, I, I couldn't believe that move. Two bites of a burrito? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? Yeah. 
fortunately, uh, my rage subsided because uh, we were done for the night. Uh, like 30 minutes after that moment, okay, we wrapped. Yeah. But all I could think about, it was like calling to me, this burrito in the trash can next to me. And it, the room was perfumed with like a, you know, this intoxicating carne asada smell. Oh, yeah. We've, we've all been there. We know what that's that, like. We know that smell. Yeah. So <laughs> everyone leaves and I'm left to like, you know, finish up the notes for the day. And my mind is racing. I'm like, wait a second. I'm not above this, am I? Yes, I'm above this. I would never dive into the trash can for something that someone... I wouldn't do that. But but maybe I would. I was really hungry. I don't know what came over me. It was maybe just a combination of frustration and just my station in life at that point. I grabbed that bag. And... I could. I wasn't going to eat it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I was just like saving it from the trash can in my mind at that moment. Yeah. I put the bag in my backpack and ran out of the building. <laughs> I don't know where I was going or what I was doing, but I couldn't be there. It was like, what if someone saw me do that? Uh, it would be a whole thing. I, like the shame part yeah. of it, like all of that, like weaved in together. So. I ran out like I was stealing a, like a painting from the Met or something and uh, went into the New York night, got on the subway, assumed I was going home, but while I was on the, while I was on the train, like the idea just like kept playing in my head. Like, There's a burrito in your backpack, man. There's a burrito in your backpack. Yeah. You saw what was in that burrito. It looked amazing. I got off at the next stop, which was, I think, 63rd in Lexington, which is, if you're familiar, right where there's a giant Bloomingdale's in New York. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 So I surface and I'm just like, my mind is racing. What am I doing? Who have I become? I have, I have a burrito in my backpack that is not mine. That was in the trash an hour ago <laughs> and then and then I just get overcome with the sense of hunger and a, like flashback every moment in my life is just like where I've shame eaten a meal yeah I opened the bag I took the I took the burrito out I unwrapped it the uneaten half I'm not a weirdo I took the uneaten half and I hovered over a trash can and I took a bite and it was so good. It was so fulfilling. I went to town on that burrito. I finished, I finished that half, like, uh, again, hovering over the trash can. Yeah. People, just tons of people going around. This is the most public display of, of shame eating I've ever done. And I, had fin- I finished the half, and I'm like, wow, what, what was that? What was that that came over me? And then I realized, I have the other half of this burrito, and it has two bite marks. I'm going to eat around it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I unwrapped that, and I, yes. I finished, save for like a couple of part, like bite marks that were previously taken. I finished that thing, hovering over a trash can in front of Bloomingdale's in New York. And now I should probably tell you that it was... Uh, that I probably, whatever disease 
Neil Patrick Harris has. What? NPH? <laughs> is what I have. MP- I did NPH. Not, it was Neil Patrick Harris's oh. burrito. Oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, I, at the same time, have never felt like I hit more rock bottom and also never felt freer in who I was. And now I don't, I don't care about where or when I eat something. It doesn't matter who's around. If I'm hungry, man, I'm going for it. <laughs> That's my that's my shameful oh, story. <laughs> what an ending, man! That's like that's some textbook screenwriter right there with that that end A little twist <laughs> and the punch they call it right. You uh-huh. just bring it home. Uh, wow, yeah. Let's uh, get into some post analysis real quick sure. when we have some time. Sorry if that was too long. Not at all. I was uh, reliving the moment. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, just thinking about your story, like, isn't it's almost like the quintessential immigrant experience. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't, you know, especially with food, you know, you come from Peruvian Iranian background, obviously the food in your house is yeah, delicious, rich cultural heritage, yeah. you know, but you and I both grew up in SoCal. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't, I knew that and I didn't know that. Like yeah. I, for, I forgot you did. Cause yeah. you, you spent a lot of time in New York, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in, you know, the world of, uh, Chains, Taco Bell, Baja Fresh, all oh, that man, stuff. I could talk about chains all day. I'm a Red Robins royalty rewards member. Free burger on your birthday, bro. Nice. <laughs> um, but you know, but you'd, like you said, like that food is, is to a degree disposable. Yeah. Right. Because there's no like depth to it as opposed to like home cooking or, or even right. like a mom and pop yeah. spot. And so you, yeah, you grow up as an immigrant with. A sort of level of shame with yeah. your food. Yeah. Yours is manifested in, you know, eating. Yeah. I, I had the experience where, like, I wouldn't eat Vietnamese food right. in public because I felt weird about people, it. People would judge you, like, what is that? That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so you kind of, like, almost elevated that to this whole different level of, like, working in the world, being, like, a, a writer of color. And, like, it's more than the burrito, you know what It's I mean? more than the burrito. Yeah, I, like, I don't know what the, the psychology of it, like, I don't know how that transpired and and got in got into me like my my parents always provided meals like we weren't like wealthy or anything but like i never wanted you know yeah for you know anything but i it was the first time i was like genuinely like nervous i guess in new york is like how how do I string a life together? I never had to really do that in college. You go to the yeah. cafeteria or whatever. But this this was like a, this was my it was a mini immigrant experience, I guess, for someone who grew up here. But I had the mentality of my parents. But you're first gen, you know. Yeah, your yeah. parents are from not, yeah not America originally, right. and so yeah, like same with me. And and so, I mean, I think what's like hilarious. It also very true too is when you grab the burrito. And no one's even at work. You still like didn't eat it there. You bolted. No, no. <laughs> you went I saved the... it. I mean, that's like kind of knowing you for a couple of years now. I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty Julian move to like not even eat it in the building. Like you got to run out into the yeah. subway, and like you didn't even still eat it then. Like you... no, I was just thinking about it. Yeah, and then, and then you have your sort of like epiphany, or like you're like, I'm just gonna free myself of you know. It's the it's the most it's the most interesting thing to be a, in a very crowded place, uh, where you know on the surface you're like you you might think you feel very seen, just like yeah you know. But the opposite is often the the case where you can you can 
disappear into a crowd and mm-hmm. so uh that was that was like it was a very odd thing and it's not by by a long shot the weirdest thing that someone was doing on that street i'm sure oh, at that right, moment right so yeah uh kid with a backpack hovering over a trash can eating neil patrick harris's burrito yeah yeah sure <laughs> um so i just uh yeah i guess how do you uh i want to ask some final follow-up questions sure. like you know i mean to me yeah this is like i mean this is very much there's a lot of symbolism of the immigrant experience or mm-hmm. the first gen or like you know you you, you took mph's burrito <laughs> made it your own mm-hmm. told the world that i'm here too the american dream man. yeah like he took two bites i'm gonna take seven uh-huh Cause I, I belong here too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think <laughs> that's a good twist on that. <laughs> it's like, it's like the symbolic thing, you know, and, and they're I, taking our jobs and our burritos. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I think that like you, there's a silver lining. I mean, you've been working for a couple of years now as a writer now, legit yeah. in rooms as a writer. So yeah, now, now I feel, I feel like a, a little, a little vindicated. I don't, I don't, I haven't shaken the mentality too much, but yeah. I've tried to get better. You know, I trimmed down. I'm like, you know, not not eating like it's the only meal I'll ever have. But yeah, you're looking good. Yeah. Thank you. I'm looking fit. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, trying. <laughs> <laughs> let me, uh, yeah, let me just wrap with, uh, you know, I ask this question all the time, but yeah. I always think the answers are never really the same. But, um, you know, your friend, I asked you to tell a story to me that I've never heard, nor really anyone publicly mm-hmm. um, or even privately, you mm-hmm. know, in some cases. Um, like, how do you feel? Because this will, you know, millions of people that are Julian Keani fans are going to like tune in. And and, it's going to break the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, how do you feel? You know, you know what? It, I'm just first, first feeling. Uh, I'm pretty, uh, like, I'm pretty happy. I That was, like, a nice, it was, like, a nice thing for me to, I don't know. I've, it's something that I've thought about for a long time, and not in a stand-up, uh, like, oh, how can I mine this for a bit? Or No, it was just, it was, like, a truth that I've held on to, and uh, it feels pretty good to share it. I don't yeah. know. I think it's, and, and the way that you um, weaved it into uh you know, made me think of it as, you know, the, the immigrant experience, like, I, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Uh, these are just, like, first thoughts that are coming to me, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a, it's kind of a cool moment, I feel like, sort of blissful right now. <laughs> that's, that's good, Is that man. weird? Has I anyone said that? Blissful? Um, I mean, the, you know, the other episodes have different... Oh, yeah, tones yeah. and 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 context and some are more like serious serious mm-hmm. you know so i don't no, know no one talked about a trash burrito <laughs> no one no one yet uh but right. uh but i mean that's great that yeah you know, i like like you feel free i don't know happy. yeah but yeah. how weird is that like what have i been holding on to that i that this was a weight that was lifted off my shoulders uh, well like you said shame right yeah it's probably the, the, the probably shame that. of it all but yeah. um you know I guess you can always. I guess we can always end with the, the question of like, would someone else be shameful that was not a person of color? You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. And, I don't... and, and would, if they had your experience, but they weren't an immigrant, did they even feel the shame? Did they just go to town on that burrito in Neil Patrick Harris's face? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, did they be like, here? No, I'll take that MPH and then just 
eat it in front of like you know what i'm saying like a bolder version of myself or a different person would have been like hey don't throw that away i'm taking it right it was not my it never felt like my place or something that i would yeah that i would do dudes do that i'm sure that are not immigrants yeah you know and we see it all over the news that's true in a different way you know they just kind of take what they want yeah there's an implied hierarchy that you kind of fall into sometimes and uh well hopefully we're hopefully we're shaking that a little bit but yeah that's actually that's a that's a that's a good assessment Uh, i I do wonder about that now yeah i think that that leaves the audience wanting more yeah think think about that guys yeah so (laughs) so on that note uh yeah, thanks, Julian, for coming on the show. Dude, my pleasure. Thank well, you for this beautiful moment we shared. I know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do, I mean, we do talk, but it's often about John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Just like, it, it's never really about ourselves. But um, yeah, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed Julian's story, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Ready for another episode? Well, check us out at beststoryinevertold.com or also find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or a number of other podcast aggregators. And if you're interested in sponsoring a future episode of this series, please contact us at beststoryinevertold at gmail.com. <laughs>